This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello. Are we, are we live? We are live. Most of us are live. So a big, huge welcome to Hanoch Piven. Thank you. Hi, Mel. How are you, my friend, of, I'm, say, 17 years? I'm very well. So, like, you stole my first line, which was the disclosure that we uh, know each other. Uh, I consider myself a friend of yours, and I'm also a big fan of yours, not only because you are a world-famous artist, uh, but because you are a mensch, you're a wonderful person, uh, you invest most of your time in education, and uh, rather than most people who invent something and then hide it from everybody else, uh, you invented something global, and then you share with other people exactly how to copy what you're doing. What? Uh, there is some truth to what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But, so then they, they, but then they always tell me, we thought it was so easy, and now we see how great you are, because uh, we cannot do it the way you do it, you know. Uh-huh. But so, now- you know, I've been uh, doing it for for thirty something years, so it's so it, it, it's it's altruism for fun and profit, exactly. But I have to introduce the show. So I'm Mel Rosenberg, and I am the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. And I am here with a wonderful, spectacular guest, Hanoch Piven, who is celebrating a brand new children's book. It's not enough you're world famous, a um, Dream big and laugh often, and more great advice from the Bible, Chanukh Piven, and Shira Hecht-Koller. Yes. So this book just came out two months ago. Yeah, it's uh, it's really new. It came out in, uh, of course, in the United States, and um, it um, it will be published in Hebrew next year uh, by Yotzad Shoken, by Shoken Books here. Um, and, um, what do you want to know about the book? I want to know, it's not enough that you're a, a iconoclastic work, um, your, a collage artistry, your portraits have appeared in Time magazine on the cover of Newsweek and so many other 
a, um, a important magazines. You had to mosey into children's literature too. You couldn't leave something tiny for other people. You also had to become a world famous children's writer. Well, um, okay. For starters, my first book for children came was published in two thousand one. So way before I think you published a, a, a book for children, right? Uh, no, I mean, no, it's, no, it's, but okay. it's, the program okay, isn't but, about but me, the, though. Okay, I, no, no, I, I but can... the, point, the, point, the point I'm trying to make is that it's not a new thing for me. I've been doing it for, for I would say, you know, seven, eight years into my career. And, and it was a very natural progress because, in a way, um, it's funny because, you know, I come from wanting to be a caricature artist. You can see some of my portraits behind me. Uh, there is Madonna, there is Keith Richard, there is Sarah Netanyahu, the wife of uh, Israeli prime minister. Um, my DNA was of a caricature artist wanting to um, make faces, draw faces. Um, but um, I developed into that um, into the idea of using objects, everyday objects, because I cannot draw very well, as I've mentioned to you many times. And, um, and, it, and I discovered a very playful way to create. So um, for the first six, seven years of my career, my work was published in, in serious mag in magazines, in Time, Newsweek, in Israel, Aretz. And people were telling me at the beginning, well, your work should be for children. And I was like, no way. I'm a serious artist. My work is for adults. And, um, you know, the children will not get the, the, the subtleties of the, of the meaning of the objects. And then they will tell me, well, it doesn't matter if a kid sees a, 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 a man with a banana nose. So even if they don't know it is Woody Allen, they would laugh at the idea that there is a banana nose. So, so I failed to see at the beginning how much my work was really for children. Um, so once I realized that, I, I embraced it. And, um, and this is, I think, my eighth or ninth or tenth book in, that comes out in the United States. As, um, as far as I'm counting, it's number eight, but we, we might be wrong. Okay, yeah, I mean, I had the perfect purple feather and uh, the scary show of Joe and Mo, Mo and Joe, and uh, what I mean, the more the, the most successful books that I had were the ones that were somewhat related to education, to the school system. What presidents are made of, uh, a book about American presidents was immediately um, taken by libraries, by, by school teachers, by elementary school teachers. Um, and, and it became quite a successful book, uh, which gave me for, for a long time uh, royalties. Um, and then the surprising other book, um, and, and I have to say that first book was uh, by Ateneum um, Simon Schuster. Uh, edited by um, it, edited by uh, Annie Kelly, who was a young editor at the time, um, and um, and eventually she moved to Random House to Schwartz and Wade Books, and they she offered me to do a book together, and 
we came up, she really pushed it. Uh, we came up with a book called My Dog is as Smelly as Dirty Socks. And that book became really, that book is still selling very well. Why? Because the whole book is made um, with the idea, my, uh, my dog is as smelly as, uh, my mother is as soft as, uh, as uh, wool, as sweet as a cookie, as smart as a light bulb. And teachers in elementary school love this book because they use it to teach similes and metaphors for children in early writing. So if there is something that I learned over the years is that uh, a book that has some correspondence, some relevance to the, um, to the school studies um, is very, has a big chance to be, um, to be re well received and to sell well if it can serve a function. Okay, let's so, uh, but we're going to celebrate first of all your new book. Okay, um, open it up, show us a picture. Yeah, so, so, so this was a way of um, may, can, could I share my screen? And uh, of, uh, of course, you can. Okay, it's, it's your program, uh, you can do anything. Okay, Lo lots so, of yeah, people, so, lots of people are listening. So, I will just say, uh, run no, out we, and, we will, yeah, run I, out I will buy this book. Yeah, so, so the book really, I, I think it's connected in a way to what I was just talking about education, because um, the book is in a way a, 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 an, an entry point for kids to the Bible stories and the place for kids to, uh, and adults and their grandparents, their parents, to, to, to start talking about the Bible. So um, now it is obviously relevant. It, it is the Old Testament. And, um, and, and in a way, if I describe the cover on the, on the cover, you see Noah, Noah on the Noah Ark. Ark you see the, the animals, of course. And, um, and Noah's head is a mitten. Um, and his eye is a water faucet, a water, water faucet, you call it? Yeah. yeah. So, and his mouth is an umbrella. So there are lots of connotations to water. Um, and his beard is a scrubbing, um, like a metal scrubbing um, kitchen sponge. So it was connected with water, with cleaning. But um, if you look at his arms, he has uh, chill kid floaters on his arms. And, um, and for me, this is symbolic because it is a way of bringing those big names into the kids' world by making them those uh, celebrated characters from the Bible by putting um, very, first of all, by making them out of toys, household elements, it brings them down to, in a way, to our level, to our life. Um, but also the idea that Noah has uh, like a kid floaters on his arm, um, really, I think it's a way to, to, for the kid to relate to it. Mm -hmm. um, and a, a, kid, a kid with a pair of animals, of course. Yes, 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 yes. And um, so... The way um, the way this book developed was um, 
Okay, let, 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 let me tell you something else about my work. I, I create collages and, um, you know, I know that you talk a lot about creativity and, 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 and of course there is the element of serendipity and of chance and of happy accidents that, and, and in Yiddish it's called the share um, that, that happen somehow and you're not expecting them. And I think when you when you create collages and when you're create a creator in general, you are constantly looking for those happy accidents, and you increase the chances that they will come, and you are ready to see them. You are aware. You you are you are present. You are watching. You are paying attention. You are putting. You are there. So um, so this book really happened because of a happy accident. Um, five years ago, I was um, invited to come and give workshops in a, in a Jewish camp in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, uh, in a modern Orthodox camp. So, you know, I said, fine. I, I went there and, you know, I gave the workshops for three days and it, uh, with kids that uh, obviously everybody was religious. Uh, I wore a cap uh, for three days, my, my jogging cap. Um, and on the last workshop, I gave a workshop for adults, for teachers. And this woman comes to me, Shira, a scholar, and she says, I've been following you for years. I'm your fan. Um, let's do a book together about the Bible. And I said, ho, ho, ho. I know, not, you know, since high school, I haven't done any, you know, I haven't studied anything about the Bible. But um, she said, I'll teach you. Let's study the Bible together. And we started to read some stories. And, um, and then I said, okay, but, you know, I, I don't really subscribe to the whole idea of, uh, you know, God. Uh, I, I actually don't really like the way God is portrayed in the Bible. You know, he's not a very positive, uh, you know, um, depiction of him. And she said, you know, let's find what's in the Bible is relevant to you. And I said, okay, let's see how we can connect the Bible to educational stories, to stories that kids can relate to nowadays. So I asked her, okay, let's see, for example, Eve, what is the essence of the Eve story? Because, you know, traditionally we talk about the story of Eve as the story of temptation, of sin, of, um, of something negative, you know, um, Eve failed in the test. But, and she said, well, you know what? You could also say that the story of Eve is the story of curiosity, of wanting to know. And I said, you know what? The, and this kind of really was the key that opened the door for me to enter into these stories and to say, well, the Jewish people have been... Um, doing Parshanut, have been um, doing um, their own interpretation of those stories forever. Why can't I do it? Why can't Shira and I do it as well, you know, and find there, distill the values that are relevant to us. And through us, they might be relevant to other people as well. So it became eventually a story of advice. If we were, if the kid were to meet those Bible characters, what advice would they give, give them? So Eve 
might tell you to be curious. And uh, Noah might tell you, might advise the kid to be good, be a good person, behave in a good way. And Abraham, which is a favorite of mine because of his advice, is trust the journey. It's sort of a Dr. Seuss quote. If you go, if you go places, you'll discover you'll you know you'll discover new things. But um, Abraham was told to go on a journey without a clear destiny, and he walked and walked and walked through all throughout the whole of the Middle East and more. Uh, and eventually, after making a big, many, many, many rounds, he arrived to the promised land. So I, as a creator, I can identify very much to this story of going on a journey and trusting it, not knowing where it will take you um, and trusting it. So, uh, Hanoch, I wanted to ask you here in this uh, picture, yeah. <laughs> the people who are listening are just going to have to go out and buy the book. I'm uh, repeating. It's called Dream Big, uh, Laugh Often. And uh, it's out and available everywhere in the Western world. Um, especially in the Bible Belt. No, I'm joking. Um, and here you have like a, a picture of the globe made out of jigsaw uh, pieces, puzzles. Right, right. It, it's Abram. It's, uh, it's Abram. And he is going to uh, a place that is still doesn't have shape. So it's made out of jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. um, and his but, his body his body is a um, is a um, collector's it's, item. It's a uh, it's a it's uh, an envelope. Postcard. It's a letter. Yeah, postcard. Envelope. Yeah, with yeah, and and in a way, and and he's carrying um, a suitcase mm -hmm. with um, travelers stickers. You know, like yeah. uh, I've been to London. I've been to Paris. And I've been, uh, I, I've been to Urkazdim. Yeah, to Urkazdim exactly. And there is a camel. Uh, carrying a container, um, you you know, so there is nonsense in my work. I, I I use the nonsense for the kids to laugh, to discover, to say, well, this doesn't make sense that uh, he will be carrying a suitcase with stickers of Paris, you know, and that the camel will be carrying a container um, from a toy truck. Um, but um, but also his nose is a dreidel with a hey, the, the Hebrew letter hey, which was the letter that was added to the name Abraham. It's a letter that represents God in, in Hebrew. So this is also an entry point to the story. This is something that there is nonsense, but there is a place that the teacher and the kid or the grandparent or the parent and the kid can look together. And then it can, the kid, the parent can tell the story of the hay that was added to Abram, Abram's name. So, so, so Hanok, this, this book is like a, um, a jigsaw puzzle in its own right. You can, uh, you can look at it and look for clues uh, and what you, uh, what you were meaning to do when you added all of these uh, bric-a-bracs and little toys and uh, yeah, um, totally. They're, they're, we're looking at Sarah. So yeah. so yeah, there are two sides to the book that that can have independent independent lives. I mean, one um, Shira and I came up with those um, um, 
those values, those advices, and we um, we wrote a text together with with help of a wonderful writer Naomi Schumann. Schumann. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but the illustrations are my own crazy world in which um, y- y- you know, for example, we're looking at Sarah, 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 uh, Abraham's wife, and she's laughing. And and actually, her advice is, uh, you know, it's okay to laugh and to giggle when you don't know what to answer, which is uh, what she did when uh, three angels, uh, three visitors told her she was going to be a mom at 85 or however old she was. Um, But, um, you know, I had fun putting chattering teeth as her eyes. And um, and you know making the no you, you know and the three angel the three visitors, one is a robot, the other one is a waiter, and the other one is uh, God knows what he is you know the yellow green one on the right. Uh, so for for teachers teaching this in class, do you have like a handbook of uh, of uh, Hanoch's uh, icons here and. Uh... No, but uh, I would say, um, okay, for starters, the book is given out by uh, PJ Library in the uh, mm-hmm. United States. It has been handed out this month uh, to, I, th- I think, fourth graders. Uh, I think they handed out like 60,000 books. So the, the, the PJ Library version uh, definitely comes with an educational guide. I have to say that over the years, I learned so much from teachers that um, that, this, that that taught me how to use uh, my work um, educationally because they send me the projects that they do. Um, and I'll show you, I can show you some uh, soon. Um, okay. We look- <laughs> Hanoch, I, this uh, show is also about you and your journey. Yes. So uh, I'm going to ask you to stop sharing the screen for a minute, and everybody is going to uh, is going to run out and buy your book. If you show everybody the book, they're not going to buy it. Um, so I want to get back to the book, but I want to start out with you because in these interviews we also look at the journey of the uh, of the illustrators, authors, the people who actually create this. And uh, um, but before I do so. You are a creator here. Um, are, are you playing God? You know, you're 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 giving these um, these biblical characters faces and personalities. Um, and the word "create" in English is something that humans do, and also God does. Not right. in Hebrew. Not in Hebrew. Right. So, so you're also um, teaching kids that it's okay to to create their own Bible figures. Well, it's okay. You know, I like to say, and um, and this became very, very clear during COVID, but I like to say in general um, uh, to kids, what happened is that during COVID, we were all kids. Kids don't have control over what happens in the big world. Adults, we also don't have control, but we think that we have, you know. Kids don't have control. They feel lost. Everything they're they're small. Everybody else is big. They're power. They feel powerless. Everybody else has much more power. But within the when they're creating art, 
in their little letter size page or whatever, however big their space in which they create is, they here, I'm holding a big a cardboard, they are God. They have all the power in the world to, to dream, to behave in a different way, to be mean, to, um, to fail also, to, to not to be good kids. Not to be, not to be successful. Not to do what they're expected to do. Uh, to draw guns, to shoot, to kill. You know, I think it's okay to do it within the art space. This is what art is made for. Art is a place, is a space that is protected. It's not the real world. So I love that, and 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 I think that for me. It also allowed me, when I was doing caricatures and I was drawing mean pictures of people, I would meet people on the street that they didn't know me and they would meet me and they said, but you're so nice. Uh, I imagine you as being a big, nasty man, you know, and, I, and, and but that's, that is exactly the place where when you create, you can be somebody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I really like that that aspect. And and if this is somehow related to be godlike, I don't know. But it is definitely talks about the the om, om, the, the omni, omni omnipotent power that you have when uh, when you create okay, within I, your I, creation. Okay, that that's good. We'll come back to that. Um, now take us back to. Um, to Hanoch, the uh, little boy, uh, because you have argued that uh, you're a little boy at heart, and I'm not going to argue with you, and I also know you. Um, and um, take us back to that child and uh, your studies and how you uh, how you discovered this uh, language of yours. I'm going to call it a language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I miss what you said about the little kid, but I, I, you said a word that I couldn't hear very well. You said that the little kid was... Whatever. Hanoch the little kid. What were you like, okay. and what? Why? Okay. Why? Are, why are you stuck, like many creative people, back in your childhood? Um, well, uh, I don't know if I'm stuck in my childhood, but I'm definitely. I'm. I almost feel like the same person. Obviously, I am the same person. But uh, but I, you know, I I have feelings that I say. Well, those are exactly the same feelings that I had when I was a kid. You know. Um, and some obviously not, but, um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I was an observer. I, I was, um, I was the little kid in the family. I was, uh, physically little, short, uh, always the shortest kid in the class. So I feel that in a way, my drawings, my funny drawings, but also something about my behavior was calling for attention, was calling, you know, to be noticed. I always um, identify with, um, in the final scene of Shrek 1, there is the donkey jumping behind. He wants to be seen, you know? So I think that when you're short, you're jumping constantly because you want to be, you want to be seen. Um, so there was an as- that aspect, I feel. Uh, metaphorically, of course, I wasn't jumping all the time. Um, and, um, 
And I guess there is some drawing capacities in my family. Not uh, amazing, but, you know, we were all good in drawings. Um, I was drawing in Uruguay cows, football, soccer players. And then when I, when we, I was born in Uruguay, when we moved to Israel in the 70s, I was drawing um, fighter airplanes and guns um, and soldiers and, uh, and some soccer players still. How, how old were you when you came? I, w- I was 11. I was 11 and we settled in Ramad Gan. And I went to a very middle, very proper school, uh, which you might have heard of, Blich Ramadgan, which is a very, it's a school that, you know, you need to be a good boy. And, you know, uh, at that time, also in the 70s, Israel was a very homogenous society. So I needed to fit in. So I think that um, anything that was a little bit different, like drawing, you know, I sort of put it aside. I studied math. Uh, I ended up with high school degree, uh, diploma with high grades in math and in computer science. Um, And um, I served in the army for five years. And then after I finished the army, I actually... um, applied automatically because I had good grades to medical school and to computer science. And I was accepted to both. And, um, and a week before medical school started, I said, you know, why am I doing this? That's not what, you know, that's not what I want to do. So I'm just doing it because, you know, I have good grades and I want to fit in and I want to do what I'm expected to do because I'm a good boy. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where, where, were you accept, where were you accepted to study medicine? In Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, in 1987. Because had you been accepted... Had you, had you been accepted in Tel Aviv, I would have been your teacher, you see. Oh, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. But at the, at the last minute, you said, this is I not escaped. the... I, this is, I this is not the Hanukkah Piven I know. Well, I mean, I kind of, you know, I, I, I wasn't that smart. I, I, I only, somehow, I was intuitive. Uh, I was... I listened it to my intuition enough to say, uh, this is not right <clears throat> for me. And maybe only then, at the age of 22 I w- or 23, I was strong enough. Um, as a new immigrant, you know, I, I was already strong enough to listen to my own guts. And then uh, I studied for one year... Um, computer science in Jerusalem. Uh, we have some common friends that studied at that time uh, with me. 
I didn't know them then, but, uh, you know, which became very prominent in the high-tech uh, industry in, in Israel. But um, after one year there, I said, you know, obviously this is not for me. I'm, I'm bored. And uh, during that year, I said, I, I really want to go back to my, um, my love of drawing, my love of uh, illustrating caricatures. Um, there, there was... Um, there was the Eichmann trial, the, Eichmann, the, the other Nazi, the Maniuk trial that year. They caught the Nazi, the, Ivan the Maniuk, Ivan the Great, Ivan the Terrible. And um, there was a trial that was being, um, was open for the public in Jerusalem. And I remember I went to, to listen to the trial and um, it was a sold out. I couldn't get in. But next door to where the to where the trial was happening was the Israeli museum. So I went to the museum instead. And thank God there was a sold out. And, and there was an exhibition by um, an Israeli artist that I did not know then called uh, Dudu Gershen. Uh, he was just starting for the first time to do his three-dimensional sculptures. And um, the way that Dudu was talking, the way he was really talking about art in a very inclusive way, it wasn't about, I am an artist and you're not. I know and you don't. I am touched by God and you're not. Which, you know, is what I thought, what I've heard before. Because I did take classes in art and, 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 and there was always what I felt, you know, I, you, if you don't have something important to say about the world, don't be an artist. You know, all this threatening, um, all this, um, <laughs> I guess it make you feel small because, you know, you don't immediately find what you have to say about the world. You start working and slowly you discover things. And Dudu was talking about playfulness. He was approachable. I mean, I, I just saw a video with him. And then I went back to my apartment and I found out in the, in the, in the phone book his address. And I wrote him a little postcard, a gluia. And I said, I saw your show. I am studying computer science, but I want to be an, an illustrator like you. Um, could I come and meet you? And he called me the next day um, to my apartment. There wasn't, there weren't cell phones there. And he said, "Come over to the studio." And I went to the studio, and and he really showed me his work, and we talked a lot, and he gave me advice. And um, and I have to say, and you know, and and I've met Dudu many times since, and. And um, he really opened the door for me in a very deep way. Um, so after that, I couldn't turn back. I just quit. I dropped out of college, you could say. And I applied to Bezalel, to the big art school in Israel. And I was not accepted. I was rejected. <laughs> I was told, you know, well, you don't draw enough. I, I don't know what I was told. It was very difficult to be accepted to, to the... Um, graphic design department, uh, which was the only place you could study illustration uh, in Israel back then. So I was rejected and I, you know, but I was already, my mind was set. So 
I said, I'm going away. And I had a friend that was, um, was studying dance in Juilliard in New York. And I went to stay with him and I applied to schools in New York. I was accepted to the School of Visual Arts. I got a job first as a mover, then as a waiter, and then the best uh, job. I, you, what's that, you were a mover? I was a mover, yeah. I, I was for half a year, I moved furniture in New York and drove a truck. And, uh, and then I, uh, I got the best possible job. I got a security job at, um, at one of the Israeli government uh, delegations in Manhattan. And, um, but my security job was uh, so that I could not guard people. I could only guard an empty space. That meant that uh, when everybody went home, I came to the office and I locked myself in and I spent the night there with the computers, the Xerox machines, the, you know, and, and nobody could get in. And um, so it was the perfect job to do my art school projects. Um, and I had the job for four years um, throughout my studies at the School of Visual Arts in New York. And, um, and I know I'm not, I, I still have not answered the question how I started to, to create with objects. I'm getting no, to it uh, now. No, take your time. This is a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm gonna just now intervene because there must have been some stage when you told your family who was so happy that you got into medical school, you said, no, I'm going to study computers. And they said, oh, well, studying computers is also uh, what they say in Yiddish, nishke ferlach. Um, not so bad. You'll be, you'll be okay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you become a furniture mover in New York and you've lost yeah. direction. What did the family say? Yeah, you, you know, I have to thank my, my parents. Um, you know, they were... They were kind of um, a bit confused and lost uh, with what I was doing. But, um, you know, I, I, I do have a very supportive uh, family. And, and I guess also at that point, they trusted me somehow. And, um, and um, you know, again, um, it's a family of immigrants and... Um, you, you, you know, they, they were happy to be here. Um, you know, I, I, I love my parents and, and I'm very grateful of what they, they did. They always uh, were supportive. Uh, but, but of course, I had my own pressure being uh, in my 20s. And, you know, I had my own set of high expectations um, because... I met lots of um, successful people around me um, that, you know, that, you know, I obviously it put pressure on me as well. And um, you so also wanted I, to, you wanted to jump up and down like the donkey in Shrek. Yeah. And I was determined. I was determined. I, I think um, what Israel, what, um, you know, I, I came to Israel at the age 11 and I left Israel at the age of 24. And I came back here 10 years later. So from 11 to 24, I lived here in Israel. And, um, and I think Israel gave me, gave me a lot of chutzpah, a lot of uh, somehow I came out of the army feeling more confident. And, um, you, you know, so when I went to New York, I had 
the Israeli chutzpah combined then, I realized, with some very strong South American side that was more maybe lyrical, playful. Um, so I, I started the art school. I started drawing illustrations. And uh, lo and behold, I discovered that uh, I suck. I'm not very good. <laughs> that, uh, you know, all these years that I was doing other stuff, I did not train my hand. Uh, I had a long way to go. Next to me were kids that were younger than me, but they were masterful with the pencil and masterful with the pen and ink. And all around, I saw people that were much better than me technically. They were not necessarily, they didn't have necessarily a better sense of humor. Maybe they were not, um, you know, maybe I had some better ideas. But when it came to execution, I was really not very good. There was a, I, I had a better eye and a better head than my hand. My hand was an obstacle in a way, I could say. And um, so I, because there was all this pressure to succeed uh, or to, to be able to make a living, I said, okay, I'll, I'll move out of the illustration and cartooning department to the graphic design department. That's a job. I'll have a studio and everybody will be, will be I'll, I'll, I'll be able to make some kind of a living. And doing that really um, liberated me from uh, the pressure, the technical pressure. And, uh, and I started to, even though I was studying graphic design, typography, composition, I was studying other things that really opened my mind. And I always recommend uh, when I meet art school or, or anybody, but when I go to an art school, I always recommend uh, kids to take as many different classes as possible in different areas. Photography can teach you a lot. Typography can teach you a lot. I took a class in playwriting. I took a class in, uh, I don't know, in American history uh, in the 60s, sort of what you teach. Um, and, um, and there somehow I came to discover, um, Eastern European collages, Eastern European posters, and uh, all those Romanians and Polish that were very surrealistic in their creations and, uh, and they, uh, you know, the most famous one, of course, is Saul Steinberg that was a Romanian-born artist that uh, through, after some years in Paris came to America. And he's sort of the grandparent, the, the, the founding fa fa father of, um, of a modern American illustration. Uh, everybody knows his New Yorker covers, the New York map, the famous New York map that he made. Um, but... Um, I started to take uh, cartoon uh, caricature classes again, just as a minor for the fun. And there, one time I I was drawing Saddam Hussein, and I during the first Gulf War, and um, I uh, didn't know how to make his mustache, and uh, I saw a box of matches, and I said, "Okay, I'll use the matches." No, I think is and this true? Is this true? I've heard you say this. 
uh, on several right. occasions. This is a true story. Uh, you know what? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> who cares? No, no. I mean, it's a who good cares? Story. I mean, it's, it's a it's a great, it's a great story. Great story. It's a great yeah. story. I mean, I I I no. I, I there is a. Obviously, those matches were somehow next to my illustration because I I saw them and uh, I was living then with a girlfriend that was a heavy smoker, so there were matches all around us. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that was one segment of it. The other factor was. Um, I saw this uh, poster for the movie, The Great Dictator, which was the, a very minimalistic uh, poster in which there were no eyes, no, fe no, no features in the face, but you could still tell this is Charlie Chaplin and Adolf Hitler or Charlie Chaplin portraying an Adolf Hitler-like dictator. Um, and um, so all this came together, the idea that Sometimes you don't have to show all the features in order to make somebody recognizable. Sometimes you don't have to draw if you m m find a way to communicate. And this was a light bulb that, that, that really op opened up because I realized that I could hide the idea that I don't draw very well because... Uh, now, why is this? So, so I realized that, you know, that I can draw by moving objects around the space. Because when you move two objects, you create shapes. You create the shape that the two of them make. You create the shape that is around them. You create the shape that is between them. The negative shape is a shape also. So you are drawing. It's just a different definition of drawing. Drawing is not necessarily making a line. Drawing is creating shapes, defining shapes. Um, so this connects to what we we're talking before about kids that, you know, suddenly this system that was developed by me to overcome my own, um, for lack of a better word, shortcomings, um, was really um, a tool that eliminated the technique barrier. So in a way, in the same way that I eliminated for myself, I realized that I could eliminate it. I could take it away for other people too. And then everybody with toys, with objects in collage uh, could have the experience of creating art, the experience of telling something. Because the purpose of, uh, in my book, the purpose of creating art is really to tell a story, to tell something. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, so this is now uh, several decades. You, you're also one of the pioneers of uh, using, a, I would say, a, a, like a, a, a early, kind of artificial, artificial intelligence to develop apps where people can actually try and be Chanukh Piven. Um, and yeah. I've, I've, I've tried to be Chanukh Piven. I've taken your uh, your uh, your uh, classes. Faces I make, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I, I made a self-portrait and it was um, amazing. Somewhere. 
okay. it was it was amazingly terrible. Uh, so it's got all the elements, you know, it's got Mel the musician and so on, but um, it doesn't have the composition. So uh, actually, you're doing something safe because you can teach the whole world to be Hanukkah Piven, but the only person who's going to be Hanukkah Piven is you. So now I, I just well, I just I, I just figured yeah. out your secret. It's a it's it's a great idea, right? You tell everybody, <laughs> come on and be Hanukkah Piven, but you know that nobody's ever going to be you. That's great. Yeah, well, it it, it, it sounds uh, it's it's partly true, I would say, but. Uh, I would say that um, I and 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 this is something that I tell always. The idea that um, basically this is when I conduct a workshop, I say immediately, this is not mainly an art workshop. This is a communication workshop. Art is only the means that we will use to communicate. To communicate in two ways, to communicate one with the other, we will be creating next to another one, maybe we'll creating together, maybe we will be showing each other our creations, but more important than that, to communicate in words. Each person will communicate in words. When you're making something, you, you are in an inner dialogue. And so, most people... Most people will not uh, do, if you bring them a pen, a brush, a pencil, and you tell them draw, they will immediately go to their last failed um, experience, which is in when they were eight, nine, seven, when they drew a person and the leg came out of the head and they realized that they don't know how to draw. They decided that they don't know how to draw and they stopped drawing and the idea of drawing or of creating art for most people is connected with a with a um, primal experience of failure. So I, once they they do something with objects and they immediately see that, that something happens and they see it, then they have a sense of um, of um, success. Even if they just create a, a happy face and then they make it sad. But then when you add the idea that objects have meaning, that you can tell something about yourself by representing your mouth with candy or representing it with sour lemon or representing it with nails um, or representing it with, um, with a, a ruler, whatever. Once you finish your creation and there is Mel the musician and there is Mel the teacher and there is Mel connected with smells. And uh, so so you um, your creation, and, and again, I don't know um, your experience, you know, I, I, I don't want to undermine your own experience, but um, what I... For the most part, people feel happy with what, what they created. Ah, I, I was delighted by the process, and, by, by, by and, the and, fun. And, right, the fun, but also they feel happy, content and satisfied. And I asked them in a funny way, I asked them, do you think, are you happy with your creation? Yeah. And I said, do you think you, your creation, are you happy because your creation could be hanged tomorrow at the Louvre? at the Museum of Modern Art? And they say, nah, no. I mean, they always say, yes, of course. But, you know, but they say, no. So why are you happy with it? Because I made it, because it represents me. 
but most and what what it means really in a deeper way they're happy because it has meaning to them they manage to distill something that is meaningful to them and represent it and then other people saw it and other people saw them and going back to being kids what do we want most of all we want to be seen we want to be noticed we want to be acknowledged and um, when somebody makes a picture and he shows it, she shows it, and other people say, great. And other people, maybe they might recognize, oh, you put the nose because it. So people are seen. So I think this is the, really the, 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 the reason why I am in education, why I'm teaching, why I'm why I'm show, uh, um, obviously it is, um, you know, it is a way of, um, of bringing food to the table of my family, but, um, but I cannot even start telling you how happy it, this road makes me. Um, I don't feel like it, it's work necessarily. Because why, I, why, why should it be work if you love it so no. much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I basically um, help people uh, tell their story and, and feel happy about it and play. And, you know, for some people, this will be the only time they do it. For some other people, they will come back to me later and say, you know, you opened my eye to something. Other people will say, you know, since your workshop, I've been doing it more. You know, I, I took it, you know, so... Um, I, I, it's a, it's I a very I, satisfying experience. I, I'm a bad example, and I'll tell you why. I'm a bad example because I get to know the, the real thing, which is you. So, um, you know, I, 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 I've been to your classes. I've made all kinds of things. I've used the toothpaste for my mouth, and there's some musical notes for my nose. And I've, I've learned your language. But um, because I, I, I'm also lucky that Yossi Vardi introduced us, and I actually get to know... Hanukh Piven, the creator, um, it, you, 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 um, you know, you, you're much bigger than your art, and your art is universal. And, um, and you're one of the people that, that I've met who, who's taken, who's created a language. You know, I, it, 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 is, it, it appears simple. You know, you take, a, uh, you take a portrait, and then you, you mix it together with the things that make up the, you know, the background of the, of the character, and you, you create an artwork. So uh, in the meantime, you're teaching everybody to speak the language, but man, you invented the language. And um, you're a real mensch, and we have to go. I'm going to interview you more, and you've given me a great idea, but I'm going to take it off camera because I don't want to share it. Um, and uh, for all the Jewish people watching us, um, we have to go because we have Shavuot. We have right, a, right, right. All day, we have to go eat cheese. Uh, so Hanoch, uh, show everybody your wonderful book. Yeah, and maybe, and, and the reason I love uh, Shavuot is because the story of Ruth, which yeah. is a story, it is a story, and, and, and we will say goodbye with Ruth, I guess, because... We'll say, Ru, of, we'll say uh, Ruth Avor. Yeah, because the story of Ruth is a story of, uh, of choosing your family, of choosing who you want to be around, of, uh, of having the freedom to follow your heart. And, and I love that story as well. So uh, 
Thank you, Mel, for being so generous and always. Thank you, Hanok. I'm, I'm, I'm really, you're a, a gem of a human being. I'm delighted to know you. Keep up this amazing, marvelous work of yours. And I'm going to share my idea off screen. So uh, we have to sum up. There's a holiday here. Got to go. They're knocking at my door. Uh, but we're going to continue. Write another book. We'll do another interview. Or we'll just do another interview. Uh, my name is Mel Rosenberg, before I forget, and I am the, what am I, the host of the Children's Literature Channel for the New Books Network, and I've been speaking to the miraculous, wonderful Hanok Piven, who has created a universe of his own, and he is the author, illustrator, and co-author of the new book, Dream Often, Dream Big, Dream, Dream Often, Big. and co-written with Shira Hecht Koller, and yes. uh, Hanok, bless you, my friend. Been great. Bye bye and uh, happy holiday. Chag Sameach. Take care, Chag my friend. Sameach. Bye.